0: In Alhamdulillah Nehmeduhu wa nista'inuhu wa nista'ihdihi wa nukminu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi Wa na'udhu billahi min shurur anfusina wa sayyat a'amalina Men yehdihi allahu fela muzillala Wa men yudlil fela haadiya la Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika وأشهد أن سيدنا محمدًا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح للأمة وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى أتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها إلا هالك فاللهم صلِّ وسلِّم على سيدنا محمدٍ في الأولين وصلي وسلِّم على سيِّدنا محمدٍ في الاخرين وصلِّ وسلِّم على سيِّدنا محمدٍ في الملأ الأعلى إلى يوم الدين وصلِّ وسلِّم على سيِّدنا محمدٍ في كلّ وقتٍ وحين وعلى آله الأطهار وعلى أصحابه الأخيار وعلى أتباعه الأبرار إلى يوم الدين يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حقَ تُقاتِهِ ولا تموتنّ إلا وأمتم مسلمون. وبعض فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وان خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وان شر الامور لمحدثاتها فكل محدثه بِدْعَةٌ وكل بدعه ضلال وكل ضَلَالَةٍ في النار in islam we have two types of miracles one type of miracle we call risala the miracle of the message itself. And for us, by the way, these categories are for all of the Prophets, not just Sayyidina Muhammad, Sallam, but I mean that's how we understand the miracle. So the miracle of the message of the Prophet Sallallahu is the Quran itself. The Quran in its Arabic, the Quran in its structure, the preservation of the Quran, the Quran that talks about things that will come that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the companions didn't know about, to the end of that discussion. That is the miracle of the message itself, and then there are ma'jizatul rasul. There are miracles that belong to the Prophet himself, sallallahu alaihi And the ulama that enumerated these, they found they counted over a thousand miracles of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi But because the Quran is such a, a big part, of course, of the Islamic story, sometimes we forget about the miracles that belong to the Prophet himself, sallallahu alaihi But there were many. Now those miracles themselves, they have different types. Some of those miracles were done in public. And the miracles that were done in public that we know about were narrated to us by multiple sources, because it was done in public. So the Prophet does something, you know, they're in the battlefield, and the water increases, or the food increases, or he's in the mosque, and the tree stump cries, and the Prophet hugs the tree in quiet tree. All of these things happen in public. And they're narrated to us by what we call a tawatur which Dr. Sherman Jackson translates as diffuse congruence. If you didn't know what that means, it's called diffuse congruence, meaning that so many people narrated this piece of information that it would be impossible normally for them to conspire to lie about that. And all of the verses of the Quran are narrated by Tawatur. So those miracles that happened in public happened in public, meaning that there were you know, 30, 40, 50 different sahaba and the ulama, they, they have a difference of opinion of how many people is required for something to be narrated by tawetur. is it 10, is it 20, is it 30 you know, there's the details in that discussion those miracles the point of those miracles were to give proof to the people that were with the Prophet وسلم, that had doubts and this is why when you read in the seerah or you read the sayings of the Prophet peace be upon him, he says, how can you disbelieve and I'm with you that's what he's trying to say. Don't, don't you see the tree was crying and I hugged it? Don't you see that the water came out of my fingers? And I increased the, the water and everyone drank from it? Don't you see that the food was little and we all ate from it? Don't you see that the angels fought with us in the battle of Bedr, and we won, etc, etc. He's saying, don't you see these things? Why, why don't, what else do you want? But there are other uh, miracles of the Prophet ﷺ that only happened to him. They were not in public. And those miracles were to emphasize and give confidence and give strength to the Prophet ﷺ in his message. fu'adak, Allah says in the Qur'an, so that we can make firm your heart. When Abraham ﷺ asks God, show me how you give life to death, God says in the Qur'an, "Awalam tu'min? تُؤْمِنْ Don't you believe? qalbi. No, I believe, but you know, seeing is, I want to just see it. I want to be 110%. But I believe. But I want to see it. So the Prophet's mission and all of the MBA, whether it be Christ or Moses or Aaron or Noah, all of them, it was a tough job. It was not a job that you sign up for. You have to be selected for it. If you read the job description of being a prophet, you would turn the other way. It's very difficult. People are going to hate you, hurt you, spit on you, make fun of you, maybe even try to kill you. All of these things, you know, no one wants that, and you know, you're not going to get much worldly return out of that. There's no big 401k after that. There's no pension, you know, in this world. But, you know, they are in the highest ranks with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they need this confirmation. And our Prophet was no different. He had these things that affirmed for him. And in this month, in the month of Rajab, on the eve of the 27th, we celebrate and commemorate the greatest miracle that happened to the Prophet which was the night journey, the Isra, and the Ma'raj, and the Ascension to the Heavens. Now of course, uh, one khutbah is not enough to discuss why this is important. But I wanted to give maybe some framework, uh, a framework of how we can think about it. Why is it important? Why did I begin this way by talking about all of the miracles? Because part of our belief is we believe in miracles. In the material world, we are sort of implicitly taught not to believe in miracles or to think that this was a pre-modern way of explaining natural phenomena or it's a pre-modern way of explaining things that they normally couldn't explain but now we can explain everything. If you ever sit with an atheist philosopher or an atheist astrophysicist, you won't feel that they know everything and you you, you come out more confused than you are before you sat with them. That type of... (laughs) uh, 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 um, certainty that we look for in our faith, you're not going to find with that way of thinking and if you just pause and think about the world around you, you'll notice that there are miracles all the time, our life itself is a miracle the chances that, that we could have existed versus non-existence itself is a miracle that we were born where we, where we are and have what we have physically emotionally, mentally that itself is a miracle and it's important to remember what the definition of a miracle is. In Islam, the definition of a miracle is العادة, Something that goes against the normal causal relationship. For example, in the Qur'an, Allah Ta'ala, when Abraham was cast into the fire, what does Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala say? kuni bardan, wa salaman عَلَىٰ Ibrahim, O oh, fire, be cool and pleasant for Abraham. And the mufassirun they say if Allah did not say and be peaceful or pleasant, then Abraham would have died from the cold. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, ya kuni Ibrahim. So the normal causal relationship is that fire burns. But in this instance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withheld that causality to make the experience different. And Abraham, when he talks about this, when we read in the hadith, he says, the most pleasant experience I've ever had was when I was cast into the fire. That's not the normal causal relationship. The, the, not, the fire burns, A causes B, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withholds that causal relationship To show us that the only reason we think A causes B is because we are used to seeing it It's habit But we know that every A is caused by every B, it causes every B by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying Kun fayakun, B and it is And this is essentially the cornerstone of Sunni theology But the Isra and the Ma'raj was different Because the Prophet said, there was no rule of causality that was suspended. The Isra and the Ma'raj itself broke all of the rules. And that's why we celebrate it and commemorate it and reflect on it every year. And that's why Allah has a whole chapter in the Qur'an called Surah Al-Isra. That talks about, in the beginning about the Isra and Surah Al-Najm that talks about the Ma'raj. There is no rule that allows this to happen. That the Prophet ﷺ would go from uh, Mecca to Jerusalem and to ascend and to return and his bed is still warm. This is, there is no speed that that a physical uh, mass can travel at that would allow that to happen. So it is a miracle of miracles. That it's not just a suspension of the rules, but it is a uh, rule breaker. And again reminding us of Allah ta'ala saying, be and it is. So Allah you know how how does this ascent happen? You know you can think of the burak, the, the the night journey. We have fast uh, transportation. We have fast trains. We have fast. Planes. You can kind of conceptualize. Yeah, okay, I can kind of get that. But to ascend into the seven levels of the heaven, and remember, everything that we see in the observable universe is just the first level of heaven. So I'm not talking about you know uh, star cluster nine six one five two one eight. I'm talking that's all this dunya in our cosmology. We're talking above that. No one's done that before. No one has gone in, on that journey before. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, be and it is. Kun in the second heaven, and he is in the second heaven. Kun in the third heaven, and He's in the third heaven. Again, all of this is for the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now the interesting thing about the ma'raj, the word that we use, the ma'raj. araja in the Arabic language is a non-linear line. You know, if somebody is... Uh, walking and limping, that's what you say. You know, that's al-uruj, you know, he's like limping, they're not, they're not straight. And the interesting thing about that, in space there are no straight lines. When we were in school, they would always draw these circles for like the orbit, you know, so to make everything nice and neat. But that's not actually what's happening. The way that the Earth rotates and the way the Earth revolves and stars and planets and all of that is that the lines are curvy. If you looked at the actual path, they curve. At some speed, and you know, I wasn't awake for that part of the class, but that much I remember. that They're not straight. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls this the uruj, and Allah ta'ala refers to the path of the angels to the heavens and back as al uruj. Now, how did the Prophet, وسلم, how could he come up with that word? You could have said Rufia, uh, you know, that the Prophet was raised, which, which is why ascension is not really a good translation, because Rafia is like to ascend. Sa'ud, uh, to go up But Allah didn't choose, choose these words The word that is in the Quran, the word that we use is al Ma'raj Araja, which is a non-linear line To remind us of the you know miraculous nature of this event It reminds us of the importance of miracles It reminds us of the importance of not relying only on our causality But relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yeah, we have to rely on causality because that's, what, that's where the moral obligation, where our taklif is. But to remember that anything is possible. Nothing is big for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever someone says, oh, that's a big deal. How does the Muslim respond? Right? Allah is greater than that. There is no limitations on what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do. And I'm sure in each and one of your lives you have seen this. The impossible has become possible. And remember that that's by the will and the leave and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted the Prophet Wasallam to ascend in this way, then it is his prerogative, Kun فَيَكُنْ Be and it is, be and it is. And other than the fact that it reminds us of the importance of Jerusalem, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's peace uh, for Jerusalem and also for our sites in Jerusalem. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect these sites, and all religious sites for that matter. And it reminds us of the uh, siyada, of the exalted status of the Prophet over the other MBA. We learn about what will happen to the people of heaven and the people of hell as the Prophet was journeying and he saw these and he would ask, and Gabriel would tell him. But what's the big climax? What's the big deal? The big takeaway for the Isra and the Ma'raj? What does the Prophet return with from the Isra and Ma'raj? He, he comes back with a prayer. Allah Ta'ala didn't legislate zakah this way. Allah did not legislate hajj this way. Allah Ta'ala did not legislate siyam this way. Allah Ta'ala did not legislate anything, dhikr this way, but He legislated the prayer this way. This is like the big cinematic moment of the Prophet's Risala, of the Prophet's message, Sallallahu to come back with this one key thing that differentiates us from everyone else, as the Prophet Sasam said, which is our prayer. And not just that, but prayer is an essential part of religion. Because the Prophet Sasam said, لَا خَيْرَ فِي ديني لَا salata fi. There is no good in a faith, in a religion, in an organized religion, if there's no prayer in it. If people just have some sort of philosophy or some sort of way of living, that's fine, but that's not a religion. Religion requires us to do something, to physically bend, you know, to do something in witnessing the Almighty call it Mass, uh, call it the Sabbath, uh, call it whatever you call, we call it, the Salah, all of that we call as Salah, prayer. It's a form of dev- mechanical devotion to the Creator. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when the Prophet Sallallahu comes back with this unbelievable story, at the lowest point of his life, so if you, if you arc the Prophet story, his his story, his arc, this was the, the lowest point of his message. He had just lost his wife, Lady Khadija just lost his uncle, who was his only protector. The people of Mecca didn't want to deal with them. They had kicked them out of Mecca. He went to Ta'if. The people of Ta'if pelted him with stones. This is called Aam al Huzn, the the year of sorrow and sadness. And in this lowest point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the Prophet the greatest gift, which is this miracle to confirm for himself and to increase his confidence. That he is delivering this message on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to give us all a part of that journey, which is a salah. And the tahayyat that we say in the prayer. At-tahayyatu lillahi wa salawatu tayyibat. As-salamu alayka nabi wa rahmatullahi barakatuhu As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi as-salahin. Shadu ala ilaha muhammad rasul. This is the dialogue that happens between the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this episode, in which he physically was there so every time we pray, we are reliving this night journey. That any time we are feeling low, like the Prophet, when he felt overwhelmed, he said, Arahna you know, You know, give us some comfort, start the prayer, make the, then let's pray and have some solace. kabiratun illa al Prayer is difficult, except for those that have humility. So if you if you come to the prayer with that, you're gonna get that out of the prayer. You're gonna get what the Prophet, I mean a portion at least of what the Prophet got out of the prayer. The Prophet, says, I have been made to love from this world beautiful radiance, women, meaning that the Prophet had family, he had wives and he had children. Right? Don't, don't think it means something else, okay? And the apple, the ease of my eyes has been made in the prayer. The Prophet's most peaceful moment, most content moment of intense relaxation was when he was praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it be the fard prayer or the sunnah prayer or tahajjud prayer or whatever. And all of this comes from the isra and the ma'raj. Because you know there was prayer before the isra and ma'raj. There are hadith from the first uh, month of the Prophet ﷺ receiving the message in which a non Muslim is with the uh, uncle of the Prophet ﷺ and seeing the Prophet ﷺ and Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Khadijah praying in front of the Kaaba. This hadith is narrated in the uh, Isaba of uh, Ibn Hajar al Asqalani, his encyclopedia of the Sahaba, because this man later becomes a Muslim. His name escapes me right now. Meaning that Sayyidina Abu Bakr still hadn't even become Muslim. It was just the Prophet. ﷺ Sidna Ali, who was a child, I mean, you know, young, a young boy, and his wife, Lady Khadijah. That's it. And they were praying in front of the Kaaba. So prayer existed in Islam. Don't think that the Isra and Maharaj meant prayer started and there was no prayer before. But the five prayers being the Fajr, two rakaz, and Dhuhr and Asr being four, and the Maghrib being three, and Aisha being four, just in case anyone forgets how many rakas the prayer are. Two, four, four, three, four, as I teach my children. Two, four, four, three, four. Those are the rakahs that we have. They take the weight of the 50 prayers that the Prophet was given. He negotiates on our behalf to reduce them to five. So those five prayers in this way, Fajr, Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, isha they come from this story. <coughs> so why would we leave it? Why should we leave the prayer? This was the Prophet strength. This was the, the strength of the ummah, Salah al-Din al-Ayubi, who everyone loves to quote, right? We think that another Salah al Ayyubi al-Ayubi is going to come. Right, but who, what did, who was Salah al-Din al-Ayubi? Salah al-Din al-Ayubi, when they were about to seize Jerusalem, he would walk to each tent, tent by tent. And anyone who did not pray Qiyam al-Layl was not allowed to, uh, to engage in the battle the next day. Right, That was Salah al-Din al-Ayubi. Salah al-Din al-Ayubi was a Sufi. He had learned his tasawwuf from the people of Abdul Qadir al-Jilani, radiAllahu anhu. So the people that attack Tasawwuf now, and attack the awliya, and attack the sunnah of the Prophet and then they say in the same breath words Salah al-Din ayubi good luck. Because that's the system that produced Salah al-Din al-Ayubi. But it all came back to prayer. That's how essential it was, and essential it is. So much so that some of the ulama say if the person doesn't pray, they're not a Muslim. Which is a really you know, serious thing. So this episode reminds us of the importance of our prayer. We should at least commit ourselves that we will pray these five prayers. And inshallah, with that, we will benefit from what the Prophet wasallam benefited. Of course, there are many, many uh, lessons and many, many stories of the Isra. too much to talk about in the khutbah, but I just leave it like that for us to think about of why did Allah Ta'ala choose such an uh, amazing event to give us this one act that we have versus all of our other acts it's something for us to reflect on Akulu qawli hadha astaghfirullah wa li wa lakum astaghfiruhu al-ghafurur rahim a'udhu billahi minash shaitani bismillahir rahmanir rahim allahumma wa sallim wa ala sayyidina wa maulana muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa just a few announcements before the du'a. One, a lot of people have complained that they're not receiving the emails so we have a new sign-up sheet outside for the newsletter. So if you're not receiving the weekly emails that are sent out midweek, uh, put your email address and we'll make sure that you're on it. Also, we have sign-up for Ramadan iftar. Uh, believe it or not, now it's time to consider that. So the iftars that happen Friday, Saturday and Sunday, for people that want to sponsor or co-sponsor iftar, there's a sign-up outside. Tonight's Sira class will be at 7.30, same time, and then tarif's class on Sunday will be at 6.15 in the morning. Uh, Sister Zahra Mustafa asks the community to make dua. She's battling cancer. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cure her and to heal her. And then we're asking also for dua for Sister Narjeez Akhtar, the mother of Sarwar. Uh, She'll undergo a surgery soon, so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his shifa. And as we are in the blessed month of Rajab, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the blessings of this month to heal those that are sick, to bless us in Rajab and Sha'ban and to allow us to arrive safely in the month of Ramadan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our children, to have mercy on our parents, to have mercy on those who have passed before us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us steadfast on our prayers and to make us benefit from the prayers the way that the Prophet sallallahu wa benefited from his salah. We ask Allah to make us people of the sunnah we ask Allah to make us people of the jama'ah. We ask Allah Subhanahu Taala to make our last actions our best actions. We ask Allah Subhanahu Taala to alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters wherever they may be. فَاللَّهُمَّ هَدَيْتَ وَتَوَلَّنَا تَوَلَّيْتَ اللَّهُمَّ أَعْطَيْتَ وَقِنَا وقيامنا وركوعنا وسجودنا يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم بارك لنا في رجب وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان اللهم بارك لنا في رجب وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان اللهم بارك لنا في رجب وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان واخر دعوانا ان الحمد لله رب العالمين وصل اللهم على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم واقم الصلاة ان صلاهك كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا